All right, we'll go to 2 Samuel chapter number 12, and then we'll be looking at 1 Kings, and we will refer to several other passages of Scripture, but we'll begin in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, 2 Samuel chapter number 12. We will take a couple of weeks to look at the life of Solomon, King Solomon. Obviously, there is a lot in Scripture regarding this great Bible character. But 2 Samuel 12 is where we will begin. This is our introduction to the life of King Solomon. We know that David and Bathsheba committed adultery and that their baby died. And yet in God's grace, in his mercy, we read in 2 Samuel 12 and verse 24, And David comforted Bathsheba his wife and went in unto her and lay with her. And she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him. So we see, and if you're you're wanting to follow along with the outline there in the prayer list on the back side, on the far right side there, we'll see Solomon, wisdom, and weakness. And we begin with his rise to the throne. And so Solomon is introduced to us here in the Holy Scriptures in 2 Samuel 12 after the the tragic sin of David and Bathsheba, the tragedy then of their child that was conceived out of wedlock, conceived in adultery. That child dies. We know from that passage that that child is in heaven. And David makes that statement uh, about He, David, going to the child, the child cannot rise from the dead and come back to him, but he will go to that child. So from that passage, we know that there is the mercy of God, that when a baby dies, that in the wideness of God's mercy, that child, of course, not having the ability to understand the gospel in the mercy of God, we believe from that passage as well as other passages that that child goes to heaven. And that's the case there of David and Bathsheba's first child. Again, the one conceived in adultery. But then, in the mercy and in the grace of God, we see this child born in 2 Samuel 12 and verse 24, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. But in verse 25... And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. So we see also the name Jedidiah given to Solomon. But we know him primarily as Solomon. His name Solomon means peaceable or God is peace. His name Jedidiah means beloved of the Lord. So we see two titles or two names for Solomon Both speak to the fact that God is a God of peace. God brought peace in a time of great sorrow and showed his mercy and his grace. And also we see God's love upon this child. So in both his names, Solomon as well as Jedidiah, we see the character of God. We see his love. We see his peace. And we see God's mercy, forgiveness, and grace. In giving David and Bathsheba 
another child and choosing that son to become the third king. Of course, Saul was the first king, David, and then eventually Solomon would come to the throne. And what a reminder of our great God who forgives us. We know David repented, Psalm 32, Psalm 51, and he poured out his heart to the Lord, broken before God. He did not hold anything back in Psalm 51 referring to his sin as iniquity against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And God forgave him. And then we see, as so often in our own lives, as we confess our sins, we know that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And we're thankful for that mercy of God, that grace. And we're thankful that he restores his children back into fellowship with him. That as we confess and forsake our sins, God is able to restore us and renew us. And he's even uh, able to uh, revive what, what the locusts have eaten, as uh, we read in the Old Testament. And uh, he is able to uh, bring joy out of sorrow and beauty out of ashes. And we're so thankful for what God does in our lives through his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace. David was promised in 1 Chronicles 22, in verse number 9, that Solomon would be the next king. So I'm sure that was on David's mind as he raised Solomon. David obviously had great failure in his own life. Obviously, David had great failure as a father. Can I take a little bit of a rabbit trail and talk just a little bit about David and the fact that he had multiple wives, which was a sin. He had concubines, which was a sin. And David, being a busy father, being king, having all of these temptations and having all of these other things going on in his life, did David at times fail to be the right kind of example to his children? Sadly, yes, there were times where David was not a good example as a father. And we saw with Absalom in particular, a son who rebelled against David. David had spoiled him rotten, let him get away with things. And eventually Absalom rebelled and David wailed when Absalom died. And what a grief that was to to David. But again, we see the mercy and the grace of God in the restoration because God allowed David to raise up a son who loved the Lord and God loved him. And Solomon became the next king. So I'm sure this was a promise that David clung to and held on to. And we come to 1 Kings chapter number 1 because what happens sometimes And I'm so thankful, as much as we have problems here in America, I'm so thankful that for 250 years, basically, we have had peaceful transitions of power. I hope that doesn't change. And I certainly hope that we never violate the Constitution when it comes to fair and free elections, term limits, Turkey just voted in a president, again, 
who's basically a dictator who already has removed parliamentary rule and made it presidential <coughs> dictatorship, okay? And you know how he is selling his, as he was campaigning to be reelected, he was selling his, or his theme, his campaign theme, selling his uh, leadership as being the one to bring the glory of the Islamic caliphate of the Ottoman Empire back into its glory again. Doesn't that not sound like uh, Putin in Russia with wanting to bring back the glory of Peter the Great? And yet, this dictator in Turkey has a president, to call him by his title, in Turkey. He was partially responsible for the catastrophe of the earthquake and the way those buildings collapsed because he did not enforce good building codes all kinds of economic issues. But we see in places like Turkey and around the world, we see where there is not a peaceful transfer of power or where there is breaking the rules of the Constitution, of laws, where there used to be term limits and now there's not. Well, what happens when David is about to die? 1 Kings chapter 1. Who tries to take the throne? Adonijah. Adonijah tries to take the throne. And we see that Nathan the prophet in Bathsheba had to get involved down in verse 24. And Nathan said, My Lord, O king, hast thou said, Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne? They went to David, who's literally in a, uh, a state of what we might consider hospice, a state of, of dying, and they go to David and they say, David, was it Adonijah? Nathan's questioning because he doesn't believe that it's supposed to be Adonijah who's to take the throne. And David speaks up in, again in his dying states. And we even see Bathsheba coming in down in verse 31. She did reverence to the king and said, let my Lord, King David, live forever. And King David said, Call me Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord and cause Solomon my son to ride upon mine own mule and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there king over Israel and blow ye with the trumpet and say, God save King Solomon. So, David, in his dying days, in his uh, final uh, hours, he declares what God had told him, what God had promised, that Solomon would be the next king. And they honor the Lord. They follow through. He brings in uh, this team of the prophet and the priest, and they anoint Solomon as the next king. So then we see his humility and his wisdom. His humility and his wisdom. We come now to 1 Kings chapter number 3. 1 Kings chapter number 3. And looking down at verse number 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give thee. Let's pause there for a moment. Solomon is now on the throne. He has been anointed king, chapter number 1. There has been this 
issue with Adonijah. They've been working through that. Now Solomon is the sole king, the rightful king, recognized by the people. And what does Solomon realize? As all good leaders do, who are humble and willing to see that they are leaders by the hand of God as part of what God has orchestrated, what God has called them to do, what God has led them to do. What does Solomon realize? I've got a big responsibility here. And I'm going to need a lot of wisdom. People have often asked me through the years, what can I pray for you for? And I will often respond with wisdom, that the Lord will give me wisdom. I pray that on a regular basis. Sometimes I'm praying that as I'm in a conversation with somebody, and I'm praying with my eyes open, Lord, give me wisdom to know what to say next, how to respond in this situation. Solomon realized he has a big responsibility. He has size 25 Shaquille O'Neal size shoes to fill. Have you ever seen the the shoes that Shaquille O'Neal wears? They're like aircraft carriers. You could land airplanes on those things. And Solomon, if I can use the colloquialism, the proverbial big shoes to to fill, Solomon realizes he's now the king in his father's stead. King David, a man after God's own heart. And Solomon looks around and he says, how am I going to do this? There is a lot of responsibility here. Most men would ask for what? Money, wealth, long life, power. Make all the people realize who is the king here. Let them all fear me and I will show them who's boss. Is that how Solomon prayed? Is that what Solomon did in in, in response to this huge, ginormous, overwhelming responsibility? And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I have many times. Felt totally inadequate, completely overwhelmed. And God puts us in a place, God stretches us, God calls us, God leads us. And I can remember when... We brought Emily home and put her in that crib after we came home from the hospital. And Kelly and I looked at each other and we were like, now what do we do? And we were, Lord, help us to know how to raise this little life for your honor and for your glory. And three more after that. Some of you are, you've got double that or more. But as each child comes along, you pray for another abundance of wisdom. And here's Solomon He's he's going to the Lord in verse number uh, six. Now we read and Solomon said, thou hast shown to thy servant, David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this 
thy so great a people. You think Solomon is broken before the Lord? Is he not humbled by the great responsibility and the great privilege? And we see Solomon crying out to the Lord. I have a huge responsibility you've called me to, a huge job ahead of me. Lord, help me. I am but a child. Give me understanding. Give me discernment. Give me wisdom, he prays for. And how does the Lord respond? God blesses him. He promised him wisdom, yes, but in addition to that, riches and honor and long life. But he does put a clause on there. If he would remain obedient and faithful, God would continue to bring these blessings. But we see that God gives Solomon great wealth. He gives him fame. He gives him fortune. He gives him honor. And even he promises long life if he will remain obedient. That's down in verses 13 and 14. As the Lord responds to Solomon's prayer, I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days." So we see the Lord blessing Solomon above and beyond even what he asked for because Solomon came in humility asking for wisdom, not for fame, not for fortune, not for superior power to make sure all the little plebes of society know who's the ruler and the king. No, he prays for wisdom, for discernment, to make good judgment, good decisions that will honor and please the Lord. And so God gives him above and beyond even what he even thought or asked for. And then what does God do immediately afterward in verses 16 through 28? What does God do? He gives him a test. And isn't that just like a loving father, a loving teacher? As we go through life, as we are taught the lesson, as it is explained on the board, as it is In the textbook, as we take the notes, what does the professor, what does the teacher, what does the parent do? Gives a test and sees how much we know and if we can apply what we have learned. And what does Solomon get tested with? Two harlots. Two prostitutes come and there's only one baby between them. And we come down here in... 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16, there came two women that were harlots under the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also when we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight, took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son. 
and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the, the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. So the argument before Solomon, as they are blaming each other, pointing fingers, No, it's your son that died. You stole my son. Back and forth they go. And Solomon has to make a judgment. And he knows that this is going to probably set a precedent. He realizes that he's in a a little bit of a predicament, a little bit of a pickle here. How is he going to respond? Well, in his wisdom, what does he do? We know the story well. Verse 24, and the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Which mom cries out? The one who the child truly belongs to, who is the actual biological parent, not the one who stole the child. The biological mother, she says, let the child live. Give the child to the other mom, the one whose son, child had actually died. And Solomon knew that because she wanted that child to stay alive and was willing to give it to the other woman, he knew that she was the rightful mother. She was the biological mother. Great wisdom. And we read there, verse 27, Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him. To do judgment. I love the fact that it is the wisdom of God. They recognized that Solomon was receiving his discernment, his understanding, his wisdom from the Lord. That speaks to Solomon's testimony. That speaks to the way Solomon handled the situation. That speaks to the way he cared for the people. That speaks to the way that Solomon prayed and sought the Lord and applied the law of God as he made decisions. And you know what? As we apply the word of God in our lives, people pick up on the fact that we are trusting God that we are trying to do what is right according to God's standard. We are trying to be honest. We are trying to be upright. We're trying to be loving. And we're trying to honor the Lord. We're making this decision. We're making this judgment. We're doing this thing out of fear of God, out of looking at God's standard and upholding what God has called holy or what God has called rights. And when we do that, God's people respond. Now, the unsaved, they will many times respond with respect. They may, not, they, might, they may not respond with honor or submission, but they'll respect. Now, we are losing that in our society. We are seeing more and more, as the unsaved are much more reprobate, there's a group of unsaved that respond to us honoring the Lord and his righteous standard, there's a group now that is becoming more vocal that is responding with persecution. And we've got to be ready for that. And we have to be bold and strong in the Lord and stay firm in God's word. 
But there are some, even as a small group may persecute, there are some unsaved who do respond with a fear, with a respect. And that may give us opportunity with the gospel. It may give us an opportunity to share the truth. And we never know how God will water that seed and give the increase. But among God's people, when we remain faithful to the word of God, when we give testimony to God's standard of truth and righteousness, that brings a unity among God's people. That brings an honor among God's people who are truly seeking the Lord. In Solomon, as they saw the wisdom of God at work in Solomon's life, in his heart, in his judgments, what did it do? It endeared the people to Solomon. It brought unity to his kingdom. It brought honor and respect. And yes, God blessed him with riches and fame. And that's not prescriptive as we come to a close here. Let's remember, and we'll come back to this again next week. This is not prescriptive that if we are showing the wisdom of God that we're automatically going to get wealthy and we're going to get lots of fame. That's not what this is saying. It's saying that for Solomon, as the king of Israel, God blessed him with wealth and with riches, with fame, with fortune, yes. But it was the wisdom of God that they saw. That's what endeared the people to him. That's what, in turn, resulted in his fame, which would eventually lead to even the Queen of Sheba coming, and I believe that the Queen of Sheba got saved. She turned to the one true and living God through the testimony of Solomon. But as we close tonight, again, the point is that the reputation of Solomon came because of the wisdom of God was seen in his life. As he applied the word of God, as he honored the Lord with his decisions, his testimony was such that people saw God at work in his life and in his kingdom. And that's ultimately where the glory belongs, to the Lord and not in ourselves. It was when Solomon began to shift that glory to self that he got himself in trouble. And we'll get into that, Lord willing, next week. But I hope that we have been encouraged by this in Solomon's life, these lessons, and his example. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to live according to your law, according to your word. And Lord, help us to be a testimony of living by the wisdom of God, by the truths of the word of God, and applying them in such a way, Lord, that you are glorified, that you are exalted. And we pray that, Lord, you will give us wisdom even as we go forth the remainder of this week, that you will help us to be a testimony, an example of Christ's likeness. Give us wisdom as we make decisions, as we need discernment, as we do our very best, Lord, to fulfill your will and to honor you with our lives. And we thank you again for our time together tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here, and we look forward to being back together on Sunday.